0: Patients at Risk, a discussion of the dangers that patients face when physicians are replaced with non-physician practitioners. I'm Dr. Rebecca Bernard, and I'm joined by my co-host and the co-author of our book, Patients at Risk, the Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare, Dr. Naran Al-Ajba. Good evening, We often hear it said that nurse practitioners and physician assistants need to be able to practice independently to make up for a supposed physician shortage. However, we rarely hear about another professional shortage in this country, which is a shortage of bedside nurses. Health policy experts note that there's a shortage of registered nurses across the nation and that 11 million nurses are needed to avoid a future shortage. A lack of nurses puts patients at risk, With a report by the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations noting that, quote, inadequate nurse staffing has been a factor in 24% of the 1,600 cases involving patient death, injury, or permanent loss of function since 1997. It is estimated that the transition of nurses to nurse practitioners has reduced the number of practicing registered nurses by 80,000 nationwide without a clear plan to replace these positions. While organizations like the Institute of Medicine have called for nurses to expand their education to become advanced practice nurses, little emphasis has been placed on how these bedside nurses who go on to become nurse practitioners will be replaced. The COVID-19 pandemic has created a particular urgency for more nurses. In fact, so much so that Adventist Healthcare recently posted a call for physicians to be trained to act as nurses. We are joined again today by Dr. Natalie Newman, a California emergency medicine physician, patient advocate, and blogger to discuss the bedside nurse shortage and the unimaginable call for physicians to work as nurses. Dr. Newman, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for inviting me. So
0: I'd like to start out. Naran, do you have this ad in front of you from Adventist Health? Would you like to
2: read that out for us? Colleagues, in attempting to anticipate every necessary move during this pandemic, Adventist Healthcare has worked relentlessly to ensure that needs were met for employees, medical staff, and patients. As we continue to look towards the future, we're expanding our strategy in new and unusual ways, and we need your help. We're exploring the plausibility of utilizing available physicians as nurses in the event of an overwhelming COVID-19 surge. We see what is occurring in Los Angeles, for instance, where the overwhelming numbers of patients are so high ambulances wait more than 10 hours in hospital parking lots for entry into the hospital. One of the highest lacking resources in that scenario is nursing. Please view and complete the survey below that explores physician interest in being trained as a nurse. In doing the survey, it obligates you in no way to fulfill that role, but we would like to gauge a level of interest. Note that this would be for substantial
1: pay.
0: So many things. Natalie, when you saw this post, what were your
1: thoughts? I was flabbergasted initially. I didn't believe somebody would actually put that in writing. It demonstrated to me an utter lack of respect for the differences and the disciplines again. And not understanding that nursing is not an entry level job, that it requires skill and training, and that anybody can't just come in and fill in. And I'm not sure what type of training they're talking about they were going to provide, but whatever it is, it wasn't going to be long enough. So it would not be sufficient. So I said, with the shortage of physicians, I was unaware that we have this kind of reserve of physicians who are just sitting around doing nothing, who are available to work as nurses. That's, uh, that's I, I don't know, I just think it's absurd, and I that's how I responded to it. I thought it was a joke, and it just showed, no, again, no consideration for physicians and how thin we're being stretched, and that they have no qualms about asking us to do one more thing in addition to the other tons of things they want us to do. And there were so many other choices. You do have LVNs. You do have a ton of NPs and a glut of NPs actually who are are RNs. And you can't tell me that their only option was to find physicians. You can't not convince me of that. So I think it was just them depending on physicians again. And you know what, Natalie, I think you and I actually talked a little bit on
2: social media about this just because we sort of had to I think really similar perspectives, but we maybe said them a little differently. And the way I looked at it was so similar to you, it's just that I found it fascinating we pay nurses to be doctors. Okay. So, so then we, we now don't have enough nurses. It's one of those like, you know, when I love Lucy was eating the chocolates and she started just shoving them in her mouth. That's how I feel this moment is for me. You know, we're paying the nurses to be doctors so that we have quote enough doctors, doctors are really frustrated by a lot of things in the system. Um, And so they're going out to do completely other things. So becoming administrators, they're working for insurance companies, they're leaving medicine altogether. And some of us souls are still on the front lines fighting this fight. And now they want to pay doctors to be nurses. And all of this was done legislatively and corporatively, if that's a word, you know, by the corporations who are in control of our system. So for me, that's what I found so interesting and fascinating about it, that here we are. It's like it's yeah. We're living
0: in the upside down or something. Yes,
2: this is the opposite, opposite world. Right.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. And so, Natalie, in your tweet, you said, you know, I want those of you reading this to understand the significance of this request. Physicians are being asked to function as nurses after some, quote, training, not NPs who are actually RNs and not CRNAs who are actually CC RNAs, critical care RNAs. I mean, RNs. I mean, if you want a, a person to take care of COVID patients, you want a critical care nurse. I mean, that would be the perfect person. And that's what all CRNAs who are nurse anesthetists must be critical care nurses and have worked in the field before they can even go to CRNA school. And they're not asking EMTs. They're not asking paramedics. They're asking physicians to go back and be nurses and to act as nurses. And what I think is so fascinating about this, and you pointed this out, is that the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists put out a white paper. And it was when hospitals were asking CRNAs to come back and work as critical care nurses. And the AANA basically put out a white paper that says that they recognize the expertise that CRNAs can provide during this time of crisis. However, quote, the AANA does not endorse the use of CRNAs in RN roles specifically. And then they go on to say, well, if a CRNA does decide to, quote, take on RN responsibilities, which is kind of what they are trained to do and that what they've all done, then, quote, they may practice as an RN if the role is within their comfort level and within the scope of RN practice in that given facility and state, and etc. And then they say, by the way, though, a CRNA may be held to a higher standard of care and practice than an RN, consistent with the scope of practice for CRNAs in a given state. CRNAs cannot separate themselves from their advanced practice background and their highest level of education and training.
2: I mean, that's what we just-
1: can't Right so that can't. just blows I my mind. My- no,
2: no, we really shouldn't be. To be honest with you, this is this is a moment where I think we really make it clear that there's a nursing standard and a physician standard. And if I choose as a physician to be willing to go back and fill a nursing role, one of the questions on the survey was, are you willing to take orders from the charge nurse? You bet I'm willing to take orders from the charge nurse because if I'm functioning as a nurse, I need help in that role. And so I should absolutely not be held to a different standard than a nurse. And that is what I found so interesting. This legal standing of, I no, I am not going to step outside of that scope if that's what I'm being paid to do. And
1: that's and- how most of the doctors responded. It's like, Wait, that's like not in my scope. It was instantaneous because we feel uncomfortable stepping into lanes that are not our lane. And the fact that others feel totally comfortable stepping into ours is... Unbelievable. Well, I think but, it's
0: really ingrained into us through our training. We're very but, much taught to know what our limitation is. We're taught to know where our areas of strengths are and when we need to get help. And that's we're probably really important. Afraid
2: of what we don't know. Right. We all have gaps,
0: right? And so also being that- really the accountability and responsibility. So for me, I anticipate, okay, I'm working as a nurse and the charge nurse asks me to do something and I know that there's a different or better way. And then I, but I have to say, okay, and do it the way the charge nurse says. What an incredible conflict in your mind and your psyche if you were acting in that role. I just don't see how that would work.
1: We have a shortage that's so great that they feel they need nurse practitioners to fill the gap, but there are enough physicians to function as nurses. That's just, I mean, does no one see the ridiculousness of that? It, it's just like they're not even when I read it, I was like, what is happening? I feel like I, I I'm I feel like I'm in space somewhere, like I'm in another world or something. It's it's ridiculous. And I was offended as well because of the expectations, because really it's taking advantage of the fact of the altruistic nature of physicians who want to help. And in doing that, No one asked about the legalities of it. Okay, the fact that we want to help, that's great and that's wonderful. If doctor wants to do that, more power to him. But then take into account if you're going to function as a nurse, are you protected in that role legally because you're a physician? And did the medical board expand your scope of practice to allow you to practice a nurse practitioner? Does your malpractice in that facility or whoever covers your malpractice cover you for that? And if not, who will be covering you if there's a bad outcome because of something you did as a nursing duty? And if you're a physician who's taking care of a patient in a nursing role and a physician wrote the orders, which physician is ultimately responsible when there's a bad outcome? The physician who acted as a nurse or the physician who wrote the orders and was ultimately responsible? Who because you're both physicians. This is where the captain of
2: the ship comes in. And that's that's what would be really interesting to watch play out is as a nurse, if I'm serving as a nurse, I'm not the captain of the ship. I am someone on the deck. And that would be so interesting, precedent-wise, legally looking at how that would play
1: out. Because Because that's your presumption. That's your that's your presumption, is your correct. But an attorney can't say no, you're correct. And so who write That question. No one, it was just like doctors. We need you. And if you're willing to do it, I'm like, did anybody in the hospital, like the legal department ask the doctor or ask somebody, how is the doctor going to be protected? No one ever asked about us. No one ever makes sure that we're protected or safe. They just expect us to do it. And then if, if the crap hits the fan, then it's like, oh, well, we're sorry, we didn't know. And we're left to deal with the fallout. So I was angry because I said, again, I'm a physician advocate, a strong physician advocate, and I'm tired of them being used as scapegoats. I'm tired of dogs being rolled over. I'm tired of the toxicity directed towards them in the vitriol. And then you reach out hand and you ask them for help. And we always, almost always say yes. But but in this case, I said, first of all, there's not a glut of us where you have enough who can just function as nurses. That's number one. And number two, it's offensive to me, to nurses, that you think a doctor can just step in and take over a nurse's role when we're not trained as nurses and require specific training. And, um, and I think that they had a much better options that they didn't want to look at. And matter of fact, if you have a chief nursing officer, she's a frigging nurse, tell her to contact the nursing, nursing institutions or nursing associations and say, hey, where can we get some extra nurses? Why are you asking physicians to step in when you have a chief nursing officer?
2: Well, there is one more piece of this that I haven't seen many people talk about, and that is the last sentence of that statement where they talk about they would be asking doctors to work as nurses for substantial pay. So for me, looking from an economic perspective, I think it would be really interesting if suddenly nurses can make more working as doctors, right? And if doctors can make more working as nurses than they can make as doctors, we go farther into the twilight zone in that if you can pay a doctor three times what they would make in their regular job, you have now up ended our entire healthcare system if this becomes a trend
1: and it was we have er because you guys know i'm an er physician of course and i belong in some er forums and in some of those forums people post their job because you get sent stuff from recruiters all the time and there was jobs in texas in the very rural areas very very rural isolated areas where they needed help offering us 45 dollars an hour and that was not a typo okay but that is what's happening. And that's what I really find interesting about this whole
2: notion is that doctors are now, I mean, my grandfather was a, a, a family physician. He did surgery. He did TNAs back then. He was a GP. And right. I know roughly what he made. And it's about the same that I make now. He started and graduated in 19, mid-1930s. So here we are almost 90 years later, and I make the same income that he did. He supported eight children on that income. I obviously have only four, uh, but the point being physician salary has fallen. And if it has fallen to the extent that now we can make more working as a nurse, me, that is what was really behind my fascination with this announcement, because what is going to happen to healthcare? Well, to become a doctor and you get paid more to work as a nurse and that's fine. I'm not as offended. I'm not upset. I just think you're going to pull more physicians away from what they're already doing.
0: Well, I mean, at least they're offering to pay doctors in this case, because I have another example that is is also equally egregious, which is an organization in Austin, Texas, in which the hospital emergency department staff was let go. I don't know if they lost the contract or they got bought by private equity, but they replaced a large number of their emergency room physicians with nurse practitioners. And then not much later, they posted requesting doctors to come in and volunteer. So this is an organization that fired ER doctors. And now they're posting, and here I have a screenshot that says, I am writing to request your help. Patient volumes, both both COVID and non-COVID, at our, are at an all-time high at most of our facilities. If you are internal medicine, family medicine, critical care, emergency room, or pulmonary trained and want to help, message me. Volumes are increasing and we need more physicians. So... It's outrageous. So Emily Porter, MD, she's a physician that is on Twitter, very active. She's the sister of a politician, Katie Porter. And so she posts a lot of this kind of information. And she posted and said that doctors should really wake up to this and be aware that this is happening. And she wrote, corporate medical group buys out local emergency physician staffing company at major hospital, including med school. The CMG corporate medical group then fires nine emergency physicians to save a buck during the pandemic. Now CMG begging local physicians to volunteer, including supervising non-physician replacements. So it's just unbelievable the hubris that we're seeing from these organizations.
1: It's, um, there's this mentality that phys- physicians are um, wealthy And that we have this stash of money where we can work indefinitely for no income. I can't eat air. I can't pay my bills with, I don't know, toothpaste. Like, I mean, I need cash. And so in addition to ask us to put our lives on the line and then to offer someone $45 an hour, but see, that's corporate medicine, right? It's The whole purpose of it is to minimize our role and diminish our importance, And they keep doing it and keep insulting us. And then when we say no, they have the audacity to say how arrogant. And that's when I wrote, when I wrote in response to that, the number of doctors who were criticizing the docs who were saying no, and they said, well, you act like it's beneath you. And I said, "Uh, it's not beneath me. I'm not a nurse. Now, I actually do a lot of nursing things because I was taught by a nurse and I still do them to this day. I put in IVs. I've done tip Foley's. I put in Foley's ng tubes, I can hang a drip. I can mix meds. I can still do all of that. I had to do it, but that doesn't make me a nurse. And they do a lot more than that. And their way and their approach is different than a physician. And we have to respect that. You know, you cannot run an institution without RNs. Try to run and it. If you take the RNs out, it will come to a screeching halt. The entire healthcare system. You can do without MPs. You can do without PAs. There are some hospitals. I worked in ERs where I was outside the ER and staying in a like a condo, and I was two minutes away. And the nurses were in the ER, and they were a very rural area, very rural. Maybe three doctors on the island, and the nurses would call me in when they knew something was coming. And these were excellent ER nurses. Excellent. So they didn't try to play doctor, but they knew what they were seeing and they knew how to assess and they knew when to call me in advance because they anticipated a problem and I trusted them 100%. Okay, so they did it without me there. But if they weren't there, that hospital would not function. And so I have a very high level of esteem and respect for RNs. I just think that they are not appreciated and they're not paid enough. And I think it was a mistake for the AANP and the ANA and all of those to push NPs because they minimize the importance of nurses. And you guys know in my, in my blogs, I've written a lot about the fact that when are we going to address the nursing shortage, which is much worse than the physician shortage? Why do we keep ignoring it? Why aren't we talking about a COVID hit and we saw the value? And for the AANA to state that they don't endorse them working as RNs, I think it's despicable and shameful. And the fact that they put it in writing, because they're okay with it. Right. Amen to everything you just said.
0: Both my mom and dad are registered nurses. So I grew up, you know, with them as my mentors. And in fact, they both told me, whatever you do, don't be a nurse, you know, be a doctor, because then you don't have to deal with all of these, you know, aspects of healthcare. But of course, I think like many, People that nurses that become nurse practitioners, they soon learn what physicians learn now, which is that it's not necessarily any better. Uh, They're just going from one role to another. It still brings its own problems. And the system has a way of abusing all of us, whatever role we're playing, whether we're working as a bedside nurse or nurse practitioner or a physician. And to me, that's really what's the most unfortunate about this whole scenario, that we've entered this corporate healthcare system in which, we're all just pawns in this game and we're all being moved around the field and none of us are being treated very well. I think a lot of nurses that go on to be nurse practitioners are, they're looking for a better way. They want to continue to provide patient care and, but they don't want to deal with a lot of the nonsense that they are faced with as nurses. But unfortunately they don't know that it's not necessarily going to get any better. So we really need to address the nursing shortage and the physician shortage and not by changing them. Right. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I agree.
0: Well, I do have a few screenshots that I'm going to put up on our YouTube video, because when we saw this post asking for uh, doctors to volunteer to act as nurses, somebody said, Hey, now they can take away that meme that they have. So there's a meme that shows a very complicated setup of intravenous lines and machines. And it says, Next time someone says, quote, you're just a nurse, quote, remember, no doctor could set this up. And of course, we always have our anesthesia colleagues saying, I set up stuff like that all the time, uh, or critical care physicians. But uh, so a lot of people said, well, I guess now we can, you know, get some respect now that we can act as nurses. And a few other memes, because what you've said is really true, Natalie, is that it's been, it's become really fun for some people to demean and criticize physicians and mock and point, you know, just really try to bring us down. And it's really unfortunate because if physicians did this to nurses, it would be completely unacceptable as it should be. And it should be unacceptable for anyone to do this to physicians. So there's another meme that says, it shows a couple of nurses. It says during the 23 hours and 55 minutes a day, when your doctor is not in your hospital room, it's going to be your nurse who saves your life. You know, implying that doctors are just, that's all we spend is five minutes when you know that maybe we are in the room with five minutes, but we're spending perhaps hours behind the scenes, but that's not known a lot of times. Yeah, I think that we could all try to talk about each other a little bit nicer. And uh, it, it does hurt. And physician burnout is real, physician suicide is real. And it doesn't help to have disparaging remarks being made about doctors. And I think that's something I'd like to see stop.
1: And that's why I don't have. A lot of empathy for the non-physician practitioners who take advantage of the fact that corporate America is demeaning our role because we need support too. When everyone says, Where is your support? And, you know, we work as a team and blah, blah, blah. I said, Well, you know, doctors matter too. And we do work in a team. We always have. And so to act as if that never existed when it's always existed. That is not a new concept. It's not something you have to mandate. It was something that was just done. We've always worked in teams. It's just that it's a rhetoric. It's a selling point, And that so many virtue signaling doctors are falling into that and drinking the Kool-Aid and then being open to criticizing us. It irritates me when they criticize PPP without really knowing the background of how PP even begun. And so, but I do take issue with NPPs who take advantage of the situation that we're in. You know, So if you know that nurse practitioners are not qualified to practice medicine without a medical license, and yet you jump into that role because you can, because it's being allowed, then you are culpable and I am not sympathetic. And those are the ones I have the problem with who think that I'm a bully. I'm not a bully. I'm just calling you out. I'm just saying that You can't practice medicine without a medical license. It's illegal. And I don't care that a legislator passed the law, they passed a bad law and it needs to be revoked. And I think that that's the path we need to go down that has been untapped as a legal aspect of addressing this issue, which I believe inherently is illegal. I do.
0: I think you're right. And the other thing that annoys me, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but on social media, a lot of times you, you mentioned virtue signaling, I'll see physicians that'll, you know, write posts and say, well, you know, I just want to say that nurse practitioners and nurses and PAs have taught me everything that I know in my in my training, and they are just the best and mine is the best and mine is better than many physicians that I know. And those things kind of they drive my blood pressure up. I'm, I'm sure you have that yeah. feeling too.
1: Yeah, and they never they never um say anything about the physicians who taught them. Nothing. And you know, during my era, we we acknowledge those physicians because I think that I'm a pretty good physician, actually. And it was physicians who taught me to become a physician. Now there were PAs. We didn't have MPs in the ER when I was training. So I work with PAs in medical school and residency, and there were procedures that they assisted me with or taught me with if I was a medical student rotating. And I appreciated that. And I let them know I appreciated that. However, they did not teach me how to be a physician, a physician taught me that. And so the virtue signaling docs who say that what they're doing is to me is really demeaning the physicians who actually taught them to be physicians.
0: Yeah. And you, you talked a lot in one of your articles about how, Physicians need to realize that when they're training a nurse practitioner or physician assistant under them, that really that person is only as good as that individual physician and what they've actually trained them. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think it's ego driven, honestly, because the doctors say I've trained. I'm just going to use as an example, cardiology. And they say, you know, I'm really good on cardiology. And first of all, there's no such thing as a cardiology NP because there are no cardiology NP curriculums or programs that exist. So it is a cardiologist they work with for so many months who teaches them a certain portion of what he or she knows. And then they decide subjectively that that MP is qualified in their opinion and allows them to see a patient initially like a consult who's been sitting there by a physician. And I think that's inappropriate because you're assuming that they understand everything you understand when they, which they don't, which what the doctors, uh, in essence done is a, an apprenticeship, which is not, it does not take the place of a standardized structured program that is under an accredited body. The physician is not an accredited body. It's just a man or a woman with a medical degree teaching someone what they know to an extent. So that person is never going to be an expert. They're just going to be somebody who worked under your watch. And then they're going to take that and go to an unsupervised state and claim that they are a cardiology NP when they are not, or a dermatology NP when they are not. And so when the doctors think that they've taught someone, that's because they don't understand the training of MPs and what it actually is. They think what they're doing is teaching them medicine and they're actually not. They're teaching them how to mimic medicine. Do you think that it's because they see
0: them like a medical resident, but they don't realize that they don't have that training?
1: Yeah. And that's why I post the graphs and everything I do. So they can actually see the courses they take because a lot of us before, I didn't know I supervised MPs for years. I didn't know they had zero medical training I thought when they were advanced, because it says they were um, nurse practitioners, practitioner, I thought, oh, they had some medical training. I presume they had some experience like a PA. PAs I knew, right? Because they train in the same model we do. And some of them take our medical, some of our medical courses. So I just presume they were the same I, in that sense, that they were nurses, but they also had medical training. I had no idea they didn't have any and that their only medical training is whatever they get at the bedside with physicians or the physicians they work with their apprenticeship. That's their medical training. Well, to me, that doesn't count because if that counted, we wouldn't have needed a Flexner report if that was, if that was reliable and it's not reliable. And if it wasn't reliable for people who are actually functioning as physicians, how the heck is it reliable with people who are nurses? It's not. It's the doctor's ego thinking that they've taught them to be that good when they're not that good. And I think there's something we can do that would really make all these doctors see that they don't know as much as they think they do. Pimp them. We pimp PAs, we pimp residents, we pimp fellows, we've all medical students, they all get pimped. You know who doesn't get pimp? The MPs don't get pimped. If they get pimp, the knowledge deficit will become painfully apparent. But why don't they pimp? Because they get upset and they go complain that we make them feel stupid. Now, if a PA went and did that, they would be chewed out, right? We would all be chewed out. Well, you made me feel bad that the person that attending would look at us and say, okay, get out of here, right? But the MPs, we don't do that. Doctors are so afraid of the nursing establishment, they just don't do it because they don't want to make way. So they don't pimp them and, they, and then they don't see what the deficit is. If the one who was involved in Alexis Sokoa's case had been pimped, they would have seen that she didn't have the foundation to even be working in an emergency department.
0: You're making such good points. And I think you're right when you speak to the fear. And I think that's part of this virtue signaling that we see, especially in academic centers. It seems like NPs have become very powerful. And it's probably because they really do serve this role that medical residents used to be able to fill. But but now because of our restrictions, maybe they can't as much. But Mm -hmm. they're definitely the academicians that I see. They They seem terrified to say anything, again, that could be even perceived in a negative light.
1: But they'll criticize a doctor with no problem. They'll criticize a colleague with no problem. And I find that offensive. I will say that MPs in the academic center tend to be of a higher standard, and they have been well-trained. And so they do see the cream of the crop. So they have a bias. They think they all are like that. But we're seeing the ones that are coming from everywhere else. We're seeing the ones who are not in the academic centers and we're seeing those products and that's what they don't, they're unaware of. They think it's just a small few. And I said, well, no, you have 23 states in D.C. where they have unsupervised practice. So that's a lot of states. So that's a lot of N.P.s who are not supervised. It's not just a select few here and there. And they need to stop saying that. But that's them being in denial. And when I try to educate them, I get blocked. They don't wanna know, they don't wanna hear that side. So they don't really wanna protect the patients in my opinion, they just wanna, they want, they're more interested in protecting the virtue of the NPPs than they are the patients. So what can you do with those doctors? Nothing, you just have to let them learn the hard way.
0: You know, you make such a good point. I didn't realize you're right, though. They are seeing the the best of the NPs. They're not necessarily seeing the online diploma mills. Although we recently had a case that we in our, one of our recent podcasts where we had a Yale graduate nurse practitioner posting online questions that were just showed an unbelievable lack of understanding of basic psychiatric care for patients. So it doesn't necessarily mean even though they went to a brick and mortar school that they have that basis or that foundation.
1: Well, I think that Yale was an online program. And, and what's happening is that Yale, John Hopkins, Mayo, whatever, Harvard, you know, when they have the online programs, they become degree mills too. And they're writing on their name. And so they're just as bad if they don't guarantee rotations or anything. They're just as bad as Walden or Fe- University of Phoenix. And I don't view them any different. But those are not the MPs that are actually working in the academic centers. The ones working in ac- academic centers are the ones who were trained appropriately. So they do function at a higher level. And so the ner- MPs we're speaking of would never last a day in an academic center. Their deficits would become painfully apparent and they just would not last. I think that's what the doctors miss out on. And I think so, you're right.
0: That's probably where the disconnect is. And then you have those of us in quote, you know, the trenches that right. are seeing what, you know, 95% of the reality that's out there. And people in the ivory tower, sometimes they don't understand that or because that's not their experience.
1: That's not their experience. They don't, they're not going to see the deficits at all because they're supervising first, most of them are still supervising somewhat fairly closely, even though they allow them to see initial consults and everything. That's where I think they may see some problems. But because the MPs are functioning at a higher level, they're probably more responsible about presenting the patient. And so they're not going to see what we see of the people who try to be the mavericks without the knowledge.
0: Any final words of wisdom or advice that you have that you'd like to give to uh, patients to other physicians? There are listeners that are listening today?
1: I just say we have to keep educating people on the differences between the disciplines of nurse practitioner, physician assistants, and physicians, and that they are distinct, and that there is a hierarchy, and that there is a team, and having a hierarchy and a team are not contradictory. You can have both and be cohesive but somebody has to be the leader and it's going to be the one with the most expertise in medicine. And that would be the ones who are licensed and trained to practice it. And that's physician and an educated patient is an empowered patient. So we just need to educate the patient so they can protect themselves.
0: Well, I'm just so glad that you're out there taking care of patients and speaking out and being a patient advocate and a physician advocate. And I want to thank you so much for everything that you do. Uh, I want to encourage our listeners to check out Natalie's blog. She blogs at authenticmedicine.com. You can also catch up with her on Twitter. We'll post her uh, Twitter name on podcast notes. So if you'd like to follow her, I highly recommend it. She's always very insightful and has so much, so many interesting things to say. So she's amazing. So thank you so much, Natalie. Uh, For all of our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, we encourage you to get our book. It's called Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. It's available at amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com. We also encourage you, if you're a physician, please join us, physiciansforpatientprotection.org. And of course, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to our YouTube channel. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.